podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast. Today is Friday. It is the 29th of September, which means tomorrow's the 30th. And then Sunday is the 1st of October. And October brings winter, just it brings winter. So, you know, uh, not that there's been great weather at all, at all, at all, but you know, the summer and all the good stuff is over. And uh, yeah. Right, today, news, gossip, a break, and then we'll bring in Guy, run through the games of the weekend, and we'll be done. So it won't be too long today. Uh, Let's see what we've got. Um, Manchester United confirm Anthony is to return to training after allegations of domestic abuse are made against him. Uh, No restrictions were placed on him following his interview with Greater Manchester Police. United United sources say he has provided evidence in in support of his strong denials of the allegations. He has not been arrested or charged in either Brazil or the UK. Uh, As Anthony's employer, Manchester United has decided that he will resume training and be available for selection while the police inquiries proceed. Okay, so you've got a fella accused by three different women uh, who, from what I can make out, are completely unconnected with varying degrees of assault. Uh, But it's fine for him to play football. But 
Jaden Sancho, who stood up for himself and I think upset the manager's feelings, he's still suspended because he won't apologize. That makes a whole ton of sense, doesn't it? Um, Aston Villa women are to wear the sweat heavy shirts despite talks with manufacturers. Okay. Um, this isn't ideal. The Telegraph have reported that Villa and Castori are discussing an early termination of their multi year contract. Like, you would think the manufacturer would just cop themselves on and produce a better quality material. Like, it's already been reported that the tune are walking away and now Villa are going to walk away. They also have deals with Wolves and Rangers. And these are a British company, you know, founded by two lads from the Wirral. You'd like to see them do very, very well. But I don't know. It looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like it could be an unfortunate weekend for Villa's women if those kits do what they do for the men's. Now, there's probably ways they can mitigate them, hopefully. Hopefully there's something they can do because, uh, yeah, just could be could be a little bit uncomfortable for, for the women's team. Uh, Hitafe have condemned derogatory and intolerant chants aimed at them. So... Hitafe played Athletic Bilbao. The Bilbao fans, the Bilbao fans, chanted some stuff in relation to what Mason Greenwood was accused of, and apparently Hitafe are upset. I'm glad they're upset. I am good enough for them. Uh, childhood friends turned rivals. Iraola set for Arteta reunion. The two lads grew up together. They've had different paths. And now their paths meet. And we'll see how this weekend... Is it this weekend that they're playing? Or is that... It is this weekend. It has to be because they're not playing in the cup. Um, I haven't even looked at the fixtures, which will tell you how in tune I am. Yeah, they're playing tomorrow at three. Fixtures are weird this weekend. There's one game on Sunday and it's Nottingham Forest Brentford. There's one game on Monday and it's Fulham against Chelsea. Like, Villa are playing Brighton in the early kickoffs. That's fine. Tottenham Liverpool, the late kickoff. That's fine. Could one of these 3pm kickoffs, of which we have six, not have been shifted to Sunday, even as a 2pm Wait, there's no, there's no 4.40 kickoff on a Sunday. Am I missing something? Why is there no 4.40 kickoff? 4.30 kickoff. I don't know why I said 4.40. Why is there no 4.30 kickoff on Sunday? What have I missed here? Maybe Guy will have the answer after the break. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that Guy has the answer on this. Uh, Napoli have come out and said they didn't intend to offend Victor Osman, but basically said, if you're offended, that's on you. Uh, No apology was was given. It's absolutely incredible that they've decided that this is the line they're going to take. It's almost like they're trying to force him out of the club. Which, you know, if he he wasn't a £150 million player, it might be something to do. But this just seems really, really strange. Uh, Harvey Barnes is set to miss three months with his foot injury, but it does not require surgery. Um, it's not a fracture, but it's in the joint where his toe meets his foot. So is it cartilage damage or what is it? I have no idea, but yeah, he's out for three months, which isn't great. Company's complicated journey helping at Burnley. That's a good read. Uh, Republic of Ireland captain Katie McCabe has signed a new contract at Arsenal. She had an offer to go to Chelsea in January that was rejected. 
She was due to go into the last 12 months of her current contract, but she will now stay longer. She's been with Arsenal since 2015. Um, and and will be there for, you know, at least a few more years. There's a really, really good piece here. Written by Neil Johnston. I think it came out yesterday. Uh, it's about Liam Hughes, the former Cambridge United striker, and his rise, fall, and rise again. And it's really good. Really, really good. The guy's been through a lot, and it's great to see him out the other side and uh, wishing him continued success. What else do we have here? How Southgate's early struggles shape future England are shaping future England managers. What? I'm not reading that. He's still garbage. So <laughs> he's still garbage. Um, former England and Arsenal striker Jody Taylor has decided to call time on her career at the age of 37. 19 goals in 51 games for England. Um, she was the top scorer at a European Championship. Born in Birkenhead, she played for Tranmere, Boston, Ottawa, Pally Blues, Melbourne, Birmingham, Lincoln, Gothenburg, Sydney, Washington Spirit, Portland Thorns, Arsenal, uh, Melbourne City, Olympic, Lyon, the Olympic Leon Reign, which is the team in Seattle, uh, Leon themselves, Orlando Pride, San Diego Wave, and then finished up with Arsenal. Women have far more exciting careers because they generally only sign short-term contracts, like a year, two years. But sometimes you'll see women who, because their season's that bit shorter, especially in different countries, like you'll see a, a woman contracted to one club play a full season with them and then get loaned somewhere else and play a full season with them. Like Jessica Fishlock, I remember she did it, Jessica Fishlock. Um, She's been with, with what were the Seattle Reign since 2013. She's a regular starter for them, but during her time there, which is 10 years, She's had loans to Glasgow, Melbourne Victory, Frankfurt, uh, three different loans with Melbourne City after that, after playing for Victory, which I wouldn't imagine went down all that well, uh, Leon and Reading. So she's playing basically two full seasons most years. Um, and when you look at the success she's had, two-time Eredivisie winner, won the... W League with Melbourne Victory won the W Premiership with them as well. Three NWSL Shields with Seattle. Won a Champions League with Frankfurt on loan. Won three league titles and one premier, three championships and one premiership with Melbourne City. Won the top flight in France, the cup in France, and the Champions League with Lyon. So she's won two Champions Leagues while on loan from her main club. Very, very cool. Like, same thing goes for um, for Jodie Taylor. You know, like, she's had this great career where she's bounced around. She hasn't had the same level of success as, as Jess Fishlock has, but she did win a Champions League uh, with Leon in 2019-20. She won the FA Cup of Birmingham. She won the Cup with Gothenburg. She won a W League with uh, Melbourne City. I think her and Fishlock were on the same team there. Like, it's just, it's really cool the way they can play for multiple clubs each year. Now, again, I know they have to do it because the money's not what it should be, but it's, I just think it's quite exciting. You get a, get in a new city every six months almost and uh, just get to experience. A lot of the world. So I think, I think that's very cool. Uh, finally then, good news for Manchester United. 
Lissandro Martinez faces up to three months out with a foot injury. Uh, he missed the end of last season after fracturing a metatarsal in April and United improved. Um, and he has suffered an aggravation of the injury in the game against Arsenal. You remember he went down late on in that one. Um He has played since the Arsenal game, but obviously has been hampered. But United's record without him is significantly better than the record with him in the Premier League. So uh, it's a good news for United. You know, now you're playing full-sized defenders rather than fun-sized defenders. Um, I think that's all for the news. Everton signed former Liverpool defender Campbell. Uh, Megan Campbell signing a short-term deal for with Everton. That's interesting. Um, open low, move fast, walk away, the art of the transfer deal. That's an old piece by Mike Henson, but it is worth a read on the BBC site. What else do we have? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um... We can go to the gossip and then we can go to break. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp is interested in Daniel Malin. No, thank you. Chelsea are monitoring developments between Victor Osman and Napoli and are poised to step up their interests. I could see it. Um, Saudi Arabian club Al Halil remain keen to sign Osman and will offer him a five year contract on 40 million a year, 39 million a year. And meet Napoli's asking price of 173 million. Like, if they got him, that is a proper game changer for that league because that's one of the best players in the world. Juventus are interested in signing Pierre Emile Heusberg, but must offload a player first to free up funds. Jurgen Klopp wants to extend the contract of Thiago Alcantara, but others inside Anfield are not convinced he deserves a new deal. He just won't get a new deal because he's 32. An injury prone. He's a great, great player. Deserves it based on his ability. Can't stay fit. Dutch winger Ian Matson's def- future at Chelsea remains undecided and no movement over a new contract could force the club to listen to offers. Well, they were willing to listen to offers in January, so they're not being forced to do anything. They, they, they agreed to sell them in the summer to Burnley and now they're just going to try and sell him again. This is just the club making it known that they're going to try and sell him. Um, Manchester United and Chelsea are interested in Flamengo's 17-year-old midfielder, Loran. Former Real Madrid coach Zinedine Zidane has agreed a deal with Saudi Arabian investors to become Marseille balls if they buy the league on club. Interesting. Uh, Steve Bruce could return to football management is the new Republic of Ireland boss. My head hurts. We're just going to move on from that one. Arsenal are hoping to offer Ben White a new contract. Talks between Newcastle and Jolington over a new deal are progressing well, while the Magpies are also keen to tie Sven Botman down to a new deal. Uh, makes sense to get both of them done, especially Botman. Brentford striker Ivan Tony wants a new opportunity in 2024 with Arsenal and Chelsea both having been told the price. I think Spurs should be in from, and I think Spurs is where he should go. Leicester's 24-year-old Zambia striker Pat Zandaka is Brentford's top choice to replace Tony. I don't believe that. It's an exclusive by Steve Kay, which means he's made it up in his own head. Uh, Chelsea are willing to listen to offers for 25-year-old Mark Kukurea before a possible January transfer move with Real Madrid keen to sign him on loan. That that could make sense for Real. They could use some help at left-back. The Premier League and English Football League have agreed to sell the television rights together for the first time from 2028. Should mean more money for the EFL. Uh, Aston Villa and kit sponsor Castoric could terminate the deal. We've been through that. And finally, Chelsea's owners who have 800 million of loans in place are weighing up whether to increase their borrowing by up to a further 250 million. 
That is money that's all going to get leveraged onto the club. And Chelsea are going to find themselves with a load of debt, probably a transfer ban, and lots of problems to come. This is going disastrously. And we'll leave it there. I'll be back after the break with Young Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, I am joined, as always, on a Friday by Mr Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? Again, football's still good, Dave. It is, it is. But, Guy, I'm confused by this weekend's fixtures, and maybe you can spread some light for me. We have eight games on Saturday, including six at 3pm, a Monday game, and just one on Sunday, which is a 2pm kickoff. Why is it no 4.30 game? Well, listening to uh, Totally Football over on the athletic side, uh, they discussed it, and it's because the Ryder Cup's on, Dave, and they put on bad fixtures on the Sunday of the Ryder Cup on purpose so people can watch the golf without missing, say, North London Derby. Well, what's the best 3pm kickoff? Mine are not. not many, it's not many of them that good, to I be mean, honest. I mean, Arsenal will be a good game. Yeah. Wolves against City because it's City, but then, you know. I suppose it does make sense. They're probably paying a fortune for the Ryder Cup. You'd imagine so, yeah. So I, I suppose it makes sense to just tank the weekend, you know, Premier League-wise, or tank the Sunday, just, you know, throw out a game that, with respect, not many people outside of the Forest and Brentford fan bases are really going to care all that much about. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. It does make a bit of sense. So that is that will be game nine of ten this weekend. Uh, nice to have the full round of fixtures. And obviously, we do have a Tuesday game as well, and we won't bother with that today. But for those wondering, Luton versus Burnley, which was postponed earlier in the season because Luton's ground, Kenilworth Road, wasn't ready yet, that will be played on Tuesday. So both teams are playing Saturday, Tuesday, and uh, potentially, potentially one of them might win a game over the next two. When did you start covering championship games, Dave? It's just part of, it's just part of the role. <laughs> uh, really, it's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, we do have a somewhat normal Saturday after the weirdness of eight o'clock kickoffs and whatnot last week. Um, fun game here, Dave. We've got Villa against Brighton. Um, Brighton disappoint. I didn't watch any of the highlights because it was bad enough watching my own team in the League Cup. Um, but Brighton disappointingly went out in, in the League Cup. Actually, both of them did, didn't they? So both teams will be wanting to recover from the midweek disappointments. Yeah, yeah, I think so. This is this other than Tottenham Liverpool. This is obviously, I think, the the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, this is two teams that have had. I mean, in Brighton's case, a very good start to the season, though they'll they'll still be disappointed with the West Ham result. Uh, but, you know, Villa, despite getting pumped at Newcastle and beaten comfortably at Anfield, they've won their other four games, and they look a good team. They did not look particularly good against Everton during the week, but in the league, they've looked a pretty good team. And Unai Emery has really turned things around there. He's made them a legitimate contender for Europe again. They'll obviously have their conference league run. They'll want to up up their game after their first game in that as well. But Villa are a good team. And a couple more pieces in January, and I think they'll they'll be a potential Europa League team and not just a conference league team. No Emmy Buendia, no Tyron Mings, no Leon Bailey, which is a blow, and no Eric Benham, who's you know still working his way back. Jacob Ramsey is a doubt. He's got an injury that might just keep him out of this weekend, but it's just something they need to monitor rather than something they need to be concerned about for now. He's obviously had, well, he hasn't had much of a start to the season because he hasn't been available, but he well, has been back and fit. And if they lose him again for an, one game, it's not a major thing, but if they were to lose him again for six or seven games, it would be a big thing. Um, I like this Villa team. I like the way Emery has them playing. I like the way he's in particular using Musa Diaby, giving him a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. I think the Diaby-Watkins partnership is working really well. 
But Brighton will be a huge test of them because Brighton are playing, in my opinion, the best football in the league. Now, they have their own injuries. I think Pascal Gross is out. James Milner is a doubt. Jakob Motor and Julio Enciso are both out as well. And Enciso being out is a blow because he's one of my favourite players to watch in the league at the moment. I thought he was just so fun last season. Yeah. Like there's the, He's the closest thing around to Suarez. He doesn't have Suarez's lunacy, but that sort of... He's not the quickest, but he's really, really crafty. He a bit of a scruffy dribbler, capable of doing the absolutely outrageous and has that that same dogged determination to chase balls down and harry defenders and, and adds creativity and goals. So he's a big he's a big loss for the league at the moment. If he bites someone, drop a hundred million pound bid on him. A hundred percent. Yeah. If he if he even snarls at somebody, I'm selling half the team to get him in. Cause I just that the chance that he might be a Suarez regen, uh, I'm taking it. I'm I'm taking it all. I'm going. Dominic all in. and Enciso is enough. We don't need other. Don't need anybody players. else. Just keep keep Darwin, Darwin and Enciso, and Dominic, and we'll all get the by. South we'll, American lads. It's fine. And exactly, Dominic. and we'll patch the rest together. But hungry, basically South American. This um, is this is a tough game to call, but I think I'm going to go for a Villa win because it's at home early on a Saturday. And early kickoffs on Saturdays are just a bit weird. So I'm going to go, I'll go 3-2 to Villa. My biggest thing here is, we saw what West Ham did against Brighton. And we saw what Everton did last season against Brighton. And the biggest reason they were able to do that is because they could go direct to a big, powerful, quick front man. And that's Ollie Watkins. And Ollie Watkins is like, the rich man's Mikel Antonio. And I think he'll cause them problems. So I'm going to go 3-2 to Villa. Yeah, I think the only thing with Villa is obviously managing the two games a week now is some of the rotation lads haven't done. Like, I think Taylorman's has just forgotten how to play football after being played every minute for the last five years. Uh, and obviously the injuries are there. But yeah, I think it'll be a good game. We'll move on to the three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, Bournemouth against Arsenal, David. To- do Bournemouth ever have an easy game? <laughs> the one. Um, but what do you make of this? Arsenal had a couple of injuries, obviously, last weekend in the in the North London derby. I know Bournemouth are dealing with a few injuries as well, um, mm. and obviously struggling uh, results wise. But as I say, I mean, are they ever going to get a looting at home? Yeah, I mean, three wins, three draws. So still, still searching for that first win. But I do think a lot of the early signs with this manager are, are pretty promising. They got a win during the week, obviously, in the in the League Cup. And that'll be a confidence booster. Was stoked, though it was lower league opposition. It wasn't a Premier League team. And it certainly wasn't a Premier League team of the calibre of Arsenal. Um, the big news, though, is that Tyler Adams is back and fit and, and might be ready to start this weekend, having come off the bench at the weekend uh, in midweek. No Fredericks, no Kelly, no Metham, no Scott, no Marcondes. The big one here could be Dom Solanke. If he's not in the team, I don't know who plays up front for them. It might be Kiefer Moore. That limits how they can play. Mm. They might be better off playing Oatara up front and using his pace and trying to trouble Arsenal in that way. Did but Solanke play up front for Semenyo Cody? He did during the week. He played up front. So he could be an option. And he's got pace and physicality as well. But Solanke has... Like Solanke's a really good facilitator for the wide forwards and, and the fella bursting from the 10 spot, whether it's Billing or Hamid Traore or whoever it is. Solanke's really good at bringing others into the game. And I think that's where they'll miss him. Uh, for the Gunners, no Thomas Partey. And then significant doubts over Martinelli, Trossard... Declan Rice is a doubt, but should be okay. Um, although as of today, he hasn't trained. So maybe he'll train today. If not, then he's probably going to be out. But Kyle Saka is a significant doubt. Mm-hmm. Saliba has a knock. Vieira has a knock. And Jurian Timber are out. So Arsenal are 
you know, they're dealing with some, they're minor issues, but they're dealing with some issues at the moment. But you'd still fancy Arsenal to go there and win. I don't think it'll be as easy as it was for them last season when they probably could have scored 12 and settled for three. And then obviously we beat Bournemouth 9-0 two weeks later or whatever it was. I think it'll be a tougher game for Arsenal this time around, but I still think they'll win. I'll go 3-1. Yeah, it could be a fun game. I might watch that one as the three o'clockers. Um, or, if I'm perverse enough to watch this next game, David, that is Everton against Luton. Another relegation six-pointer so early on in the season. Um, I, I say that Everton are on a streak. <laughs> um, they've won back-to-back games. Uh, could it be three in a row for Everton here? Yeah, I mean, this is this is form is what we're seeing here. And, I mean, like, it's not like they, they beat garbage either. Like, they beat Brentford, who are a decent team. They beat Villa, who are a good team. So they've done really well in that regard. They've actually lost to the bad teams this season. Um, I, I just can't imagine. If you're not a fan of one of these clubs... I can't imagine what it would take for this to be your go-to game on Saturday when I'll there's so right many there. other options. I'll be there. <laughs> it literally will be the Everton fan base, the Luton fan base, and you. And Beautiful. that's it. No one else is watching. Like, in America, they televise every game. And Australia, like, every game is available. I can't, they, they shouldn't even send cameras for this one. Remember when they did pay-per-view and it was like Burnley against someone that got 20 buys or something? Yeah, it's like 15 quid or something. <laughs> yeah. um, so Luton, no Sambi Laconga, no Potts, no Clark, no Osho, no Barkley, and no Lockyer. So that's that's a lot of injuries for a smaller squad. Uh, Everton, no Deli Ali, no Seamus Coleman, no Andre Gomes. In all likelihood, none of them are starting anyway. Uh, but Michael Enko was a doubt, and he had started to play quite well mm. in the last couple of games. Um, Everton are at home and should win this game. They should win this game. They haven't scored at home yet, to be fair. They haven't. And they, they've, they've looked dreadful. Like, they have looked dreadful. But Luton don't look particularly good either. They don't look particularly clever. Um. Five points between these two teams from 11 games played. These are teams that belong in a lower league, both of them. There's others as well, but these are these are two of the teams that do. I'll go for an Everton win. I'll say 2-1. I think it's going to be an ugly game. It wouldn't surprise me if Luton caused Everton problems just by being really direct, because Everton are a really direct team. But I remember... Like, the most direct team we've ever seen in the Premier League era is obviously Stoke under Tony Pulis. Mm. But I remember watching Stoke played... It was a Sam Allardyce-managed team, and I want to say it was maybe West Ham, but that might might be wrong. But I do want remember watching them get battered by a team basically turning their own tactics against them. And I do wonder if maybe Sean Dyche gets outdone by being Sean Deicht. Um I'll go 2-1 Everton, but I think it's going to be an ugly game. And I'll be there for it. Um, we have a repeat of a League Cup game in midweek, which was kind of boring. Um, but United, uh, Palace, Dave, only significant news, I suppose, ahead of the game is that Anthony's back. I'm not sure if he's back for this weekend, but he might be able to play future games. Um, Taking that... Uh, take account of that as much as you want. Um, but midweek, I mean, Palace were just kind of awful, and United's yeah. rotated team was better than Palace's rotated team. Yeah, it was, and both teams rotated heavily, and United came out on top, and that's basically what it was. But this is the game that Palace will care about more. Um, if you told them they could have a point in the league and get battered in the League Cup, they would have jumped at it. Because Roy is all about getting to his 43 to 45 points. Doesn't care about anything else. United have a raft of injuries, but so do Palace. So Palace have no Ferguson, no Elise, Nathan Ferguson. There's not a player in the world I feel I feel for more than him. Like that lad just 
has had no luck mm. at all. I hope he does his coaching badges or something. Yeah, I think he's going to have to. Yeah. He's 22. He joined Palace three years ago. He's played once. He played one Premier League game in 21-22. Once. That is... It, it's just got to be so tough for him. He's really talented. When he was at West Brom, he really did look a player. It's such a shame. It's such a shame. Because the thing is, they are screaming for a new right back and he would fill that and be a lockdown defender there if he was the same player he was pre-injury. But it, it maybe it just never gets gets right. Um, missing Elise, missing Edward, missing Franca, missing Lerma, which is a big one, obviously, for them in midfield. No Tompkins, no Dean Henderson, who made his debut in midweek and got taken off after 15 minutes or whatever it was. Um, injured. Yarrow Riedeveld is a doubt and Ahmad is a doubt, which is an, a big blow as well because with Lerma back, they could, or Lerma out rather, they could use him. But when you look at United, I mean, no Wan-Bissaka, no Shaw, no Malashia, no Manu. Anthony is back in training, I think. I, I don't know if it's today or, or Monday he's back in training, so I wouldn't imagine he'll play in this one. Uh, McTominay and Eriksson are back. They're, they were out with an illness. Sancho's suspended because he won't say sorry. And Ahmed Diallo's injured. And today we get the news that Lissandro Martinez is set to miss the next few months. Um, now, if you look at their record with and without him, I think that's a good thing for them because they're better defensively without him. They win more games without him. I understand the manager likes what he can offer in the build-up play. But when you're a counter-attacking team like you are, and you have less than 50% of the ball, your defenders should be able to defend first as a priority, especially, you know, in the air and such, and not run away from aerial jewels. United should win this game. Mm. They should win this game. They're the better team. They're at home. The record under Ten Hag at home has been decent. They've not started the season well. They've already lost three games. They were particularly terrible in their defeat against Brighton. They were not good against Burnley. It was only really in the defeat to Arsenal where I thought they actually deserved something because Wolves should have beaten them. Spurs did beat them. Forrest should have beaten them. Brighton hammered them. I thought Burnley should have beaten them. The Arsenal game is the only game where I thought, you know what, they deserve a point here. And in the end, they didn't get it because the referee hosed them. But I I, I think they'll win this game largely because Palace are missing their big threats. They've still got Eze, but no Elise, no Eduard, and not having Matthias Frankie yet, I think, is a blow because they spent a lot of money on him in the summer. I'll go 2-0 to United, and I think it'll be fairly uninspiring. The Harry Maguire redemption arc start here. Uh, um, yeah, not a pretty game, that one. I don't think this next one will be particularly pretty as well. Newcastle, Burnley, Dave. I've not been overly impressed with Burnley. I know they play, basically comparing them to Sean Dyche, Burnley to play slightly more attractive football, mm. but it's much less effective, especially at this level. I know they were one of the best championship teams, but we know what the jump is there. Whereas Newcastle... Obviously, hammered Sheffield United last weekend, beat City in midweek. Um, unfortunate with the Harvey Barnes news, yeah, um, a bit sadly. But I suppose that gives a big chance to Anthony Gordon, who people had doubts about before the season. And, and Gordon's playing well at him. the moment. Yeah, like he is, yeah. he is playing well. So you know, you've got no Barnes, no Willock. Callum Wilson's a doubt. Botman's a doubt. Gamera should be okay. Isak's a doubt. Dan Byrne and Dubravka were ill. They should be okay. And it looks like Emil Kraft is back fit, but not ready for first-team action just yet. Um, the Barnes one is a big one, but look, Gordon is is playing well, so as long as he continues that, they'll be okay. Uh, no Manuel Benson for Burnley, no Nathan Redmond, no Ekdal, no Foster, no Obafemi, no Sherlinoff, and Good- Goodmanson is a doubt. You are right. 
Burnley, they haven't impressed. But in their defence, they've had a very difficult run of fixtures. Like, they come up, they get City at home in the opening game. That's really tough. They were meant to go to Luton. That game got cancelled. So they don't play for two weeks. And then they play Villa at home. And Villa are a very good team. So Villa beat them. Then they beat Forest in the League Cup. Then they play Spurs, who've had a great start to the season and are a very good team. So they lose there again. Then they go to Forest and get a draw. And then they play United at home. And like United aren't particularly good, but you'd still expect United to beat Burnley, regardless of the circumstances. True. But it's just unfortunate for Burnley. They've played four home games, and they've all been against teams that we would expect to finish in the top half of the league this year. Three of whom, in fact, all four of whom probably have ambitions of top four. Like Villa spent nearly $100 million in the summer off the back of finishing seven. So I think they are pushing for top four. United obviously have ambition for top four. So do Spurs. And City obviously should win the league this year. So the, the fixtures have not been kind to them. Um, they did wallop Salford in midweek. Newcastle's a tough one, though. Newcastle's a tough place to go at any time. And the Toon haven't had a great start to the year either. Like, they're sitting in eight, three wins, three draws. But, again, it's not like they've had an easy run. Like, they play Villa, they batter Villa. Then they play City, they lose, everybody loses to City. They play Liverpool, and they should have won the game. They they gifted us three points. They got comprehensively taken apart by by Brighton. And that's the only time they've actually been taken apart this year. They beat Brentford, draw with Milan away from home. It's a, it's a good result. It's confidence boosting. And then they were just, they were dynamite against Sheffield United. And then they beat City in midweek in the cup. And like, that's a nice turnaround and run of form that they've had over the last four games. All will be confidence boosting wins. Getting a first win after three successive defeats in the league, that boosts confidence. So that's the Brentford game. Then going away in the Champions League, to a major team in a mega stadium and getting through it and getting a point, that will help. And then doing what they did to Sheffield United. Like, all the attackers got to feast. And then beating City in the Cup, you know. I know it's a rotated City, but it was a rotated Newcastle as well. So all of that, I think, leads to leads to a Newcastle win. I'll go 3-1 to the turn. I think that do they play PSG midweek as well? So PSG maybe home midweek. Yeah. So they may rotate a smidgen, so maybe a glimmer of hope for Burnley. But yeah, I would favour Newcastle as well. Um another three o'clock kickoff. Uh we have West Ham against Sheffield United, Dave. Um any chance of bouncing back for Sheffield United? Um it's hard. I don't know what it's like to recover from an eight nil. Um West Ham started the season well, very very well, actually. Um, it's just a tough one to predict. And it, do, do, will football do that football thing where you go, well, West Ham will win this easily and then Sheffield United bounce back well or is it just going to pour on? If Sheffield United had played away last week and lost 8-0 and were coming home for this one, I actually think I might pick them to sneak like a really, a really disgusting 1-0 win. Hmm. But the fact that they're going to West Ham, and as you said, West Ham have been good this season. Three wins, a draw, and the two defeats are to Liverpool and Arsenal, who I think are the two best teams in the league. Sorry, Liverpool and City, who are the two best teams in the league. Um, I think it's really tough for them. They've got a bunch of injuries as well, whereas West Ham, the only injury they have is Cresswell, who's not a starter anymore anyway. But you look at Sheffield United, they've got 10 injuries. Baldock is out. Osula is out. Brewster's out. Norrington Davies is out. Lowe, Osborne, and Jebison are all out. Now, Ollie McBurney, I think, is back. He was suspended. So he's not injured. I think he's back this weekend. But Hammer's a major doubt. And John Fleck is a doubt. So, like, they're bare bones. They really are at the bare bones of their squad. 
I think it's going to be really tough for them. Now, what I will say is, last season, we saw Bournemouth get destroyed at Anfield 9-0. And everyone wrote them off straight away. I don't think losing to Newcastle 8-0 at home is a reason to write off Sheffield United. I do think they'll go down, but I think it's just more on the lack of real talent in the squad. There's some really good players, but there's a lack of overall talent and there's a lack of depth in a lot of places. I have a tough time seeing them get anything from this game, but like next weekend they go to Fulham. I think like they could get something there. Then they play United at home in a late, late kickoff, an 8 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday night in front of the packed house. That'll be the first time. That's after the international break, so it's three weeks away. Um, <clears throat> that'll be the first time they'll have been back home since that 8-0 drubbing. I could see them getting a result there. And maybe that kickstarts their season. But if I'm them... I'm looking at this game and next weekend and thinking if Heckenbottom doesn't win one of these and we don't show major improvement, then he's gone and I'm using that international break to get a replacement in. And there's been rumblings about Chris Wilder. I don't know whether to believe them or not, but I I wouldn't be surprised if he's basically got two games here to save his job, regardless of his own claims that he's got the backing of the owner. At the end of the day, if you're getting pumped week and week, you're not looking like you're going to stay up. This early in the season is the time to make a change. I think West Ham will win this game because they're in good form. Bowen is playing well. Paquette is playing excellent football at the moment. Mm. I think there's a lot more to come from Kudus. We're only starting to see Alvarez really start to flex his influence on games in the central midfield. I'll go 3-1 to... I'll go 3-0. I'll go 3-0 to West Ham. I just realised we had another we have another half 12 kickoff after an international break. That's going to be fun. Merseyside yeah. Derby, fantastic. Yeah, at least um, we're at home. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's two, two feet away. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, where are we? Wolves against Man City, Dave. Uh, Rodri, Rod, Rodri-less City, words, um, makes it slightly more interesting, but you'd think whether it's Kovacic and Nunes or, dare I say, Calvin Phillips and probably Kovacic if he's back fit, just to keep um, a sense of the normal first 11. Mm. But Wolves obviously missing, I can't I can't remember the young lad's name who got sent off last week. Um, he obviously played well against Liverpool the week before that. It's, it's not the right team to take advantage of not having Rodri there, I don't think. No, it's not. Um now, the problem for City is this is game two of a three-match ban and game three is Arsenal. So that's where they'll they'll run into some issue. I, I assume Calvin Phillips will play here um, next to him, either Nunes or, or Kovacic. They, they're, they're kind of interchangeable in many ways. The good news for City is that Bernardo Silva, having initially been ruled out for six weeks, apparently is only about a week away. So he should be back for that Arsenal game. So that's he went, he went to Spain for some magic. Surgery. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, John Stones apparently is very close to return as well. So it's only KDB that they're going to be without long term, but the Rodri thing will hurt them against Arsenal for sure. Wolves, no Bellegarde and no Tommy Doyle because he's on loan from City, but everybody else is fit. They caused us a lot of problems. And I think they can cause City some problems because Cunha, Cunha will operate in that space that Rodri would normally be there to, to, to seal off. Without Rodri there, I mean, maybe if it's Nunes, he is switched on enough to fill in and pick up Cunha when he drops off and not let him run at the defence at high speed. The other issue, obviously, for, for City is is Neto's in really good form, so they'll have to make sure they cut the supply out to him. But there's no reason to get too in-depth this one. City will be strong favourites. City should win this game. I do not fancy Craig Dawson's chances against Erling Haaland. I'll go 3-1 to City. 
That just sounds horrendous. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, Spurs against Liverpool, uh, Dave. Probably the most fun game of the weekend, if maybe not even the season overall, considering how both have started. Um, Spurs, obviously, excellent result uh, in the North London derby. Probably could have uh, got the winner. Uh, Liverpool just keep ticking over, winning 3-1. Dominic Zuboslai just decided, I am the number eight shirt all of a sudden. Um I'm not. I reckon this could be anything, and I wouldn't be surprised. But it, I'm expecting fun. That's probably what I'm expecting. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very open game. I think there will be goals. Uh, Liverpool without Besetic and Thiago, but everybody else is available. Spurs have have some injury issues. Like now, a lot of these would not be starters, but they're important squad players: Perisic, Sessegnon, Brian Hill. Brennan Johnson's out, so there's a starter ruled out. Um, Alfie Whiteman had surgery, so he's going to be out for a while. Lacelso's out again, squad player. But Madison looks like he's back and he's fine, uh, which is huge for them. And Bentoncourt is the other starter. And again, Bentoncourt was a starter pre-ACL injury. With the form of Basuma and Matar Sar, he might not be a starter anymore. Mm. Um, so it might just be that the one starter they're missing is Brennan Johnson. This will be a good game. <clears throat> Spurs have started the season really well. Four wins, two draws, could easily have had six wins. Liverpool have started the season very well. Five wins, one draw. But Liverpool could easily have lost to Chelsea on the opening day and could very easily have lost up at Newcastle. They haven't been as impressive as Spurs, but they have had a tougher run of games. So I do think that balances itself out. They're both scoring for fun. They're both a little bit creaky defensively. Now, I say that Liverpool have only conceded five goals this year in the league. Second best defence in the league. Second best defence in the league. (laughs) Somehow. You know, and like Spurs have only conceded seven goals, which is the fourth best defence along with Newcastle and Crystal Palace. So only City, Liverpool and Arsenal have conceded less. And it's worth noting that Arsenal and Palace have scored quite a few less than Spurs. That Spurs midfield is really, really strong. And it's it's the one area that gives me concern. They've got a good attack. They've got a talented but new defence. Liverpool have a bit of a shaky defence, a very good midfield, but it does lack that balance of a proper holder and a great attack. Because it's at Spurs, I'm going to pick a 2-2. Same prediction I went with on on Scouted with Carl. I'm going to stay with 2-2. But I could see anything. Like, I could see 3-3, 4-4. I could see Liverpool winning comfortably. I could see Spurs winning by a couple of goals. I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of nervous and looking forward to it at the same time. Um, Should be fun, though, if you're a neutral. Uh, Moving on to Sunday then, Dave, we have the Ryder Cup. Who do you fancy? Um, I am going to pick Europe to win uh, with very little knowledge of What's going on? I have no idea who is on the Ryder Cup teams. I'm going to have a quick look now. Um, Obviously, the more Irish lads, the better. Let's see now. I saw Rory McIlroy, but is he technically... He's Northern Irish, but we're we're claiming him. Mm. So he's on the team... And is Shane Lowry on the team as well? Shane Lowry, I think, is on the team as well. So that's two of our lads. Um, yeah, we'll we'll go with we'll go with we'll go with Europe to win. I I, I don't know. Uh, I don't do golf. I I I actually enjoy playing golf. I really enjoy the driving range, but I do enjoy you know going for a round of golf and and just chatting immense amounts of nonsense on the way around. Mini golf is life. (laughs) But yeah, like I I wouldn't be, I don't know that I've ever sat down and watched a day of golf. Like Mm -hmm. I've often watched 
like large chunks of like the Sunday of the Masters or the USPGA or the Open or whatever. Um, if it's like a you know a, a couple of players going for going for the win, I'll watch that because there's at least a bit of suspense and and it's interesting. Um, but I, I don't know that like I I I don't think I could sit and watch a whole lot. I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday claiming it's like one of the three or four best events in sport, and maybe it is. That I I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea. Uh, it's being played in Italy at the Marco Simeone Marco Simone Golf Course. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm going to say Europe just because a bit of bias, probably. Yeah, I have no idea who's like the odds tell me that, that Europe are favourite, but the odds could tell me anything, and I'd believe them because I genuinely have no idea. I don't know who's done well. Like, there's a few. I, I know the players' names for the most part, but I I couldn't tell you who's good. Like, there's lads there I haven't heard about. I have no idea who Matt Fitzpatrick is. Um, Tiger Woods is there? No, no, no there's no, no Tiger. interest. A dead game, dead spot. Of the of the Americans, I know Brooks Kopka, I know Jordan Spieth, I know Morikawa, I know Ricky Fowler, I know Justin Thompson or Justin Thomas. I don't know most of the rest. I think Rom, uh, like Scotty Scheffler, is apparently the number one in the world right now. I've never heard that name. <laughs> um, apparently, he won the Masters last year. Well, I have golf's no been idea. weird because of the Saudi thing, hasn't it? Yeah, Which, I think. I think they can play together again now. After. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. some of them play for for live golf or whatever it is, and then the rest of them are on the PGA and the European Tour. Um, but I, I, I genuinely have no idea. I, I don't know. Like I know again. I know some of the Europeans. Shane Lowry, obviously. Justin Rose, I know because he's been around for for so long. Tommy Fleetwood, um, I know because he's from the Liverpool area, isn't he? He's like Southport or somewhere. Yeah, I think he's an Everton fan, isn't he? I'm pretty oh, sure. is he? Oh, well, then we I don't think... want to know him. Yeah, I might be doing him a disservice there, but I'm pretty sure. But I know his name. I know Robert McIntyre. I know John Ram, and I know Rory, and that's that's basically it. So half the golfers on each team, I have no idea who they are. I don't know who Wyndham Clark is, but apparently he's number 10 in the world. Fantastic. But he's obviously really, really good. Like, he's obviously one of the best in the world. I, I just, I don't know who he won the You won the US Open this year, seemingly. But I have no idea. So, um, yeah. I we'll prefer just, it in America because I watch it at night time whilst I'm going to bed. That's basically it. Oh, that's fair enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd rather watch basketball or baseball personally, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, right, we... We should move on to football because I'm just embarrassing myself here because I know nothing about golf really. Speaking of putting yourself to bed, Nottingham Forest against Brentford. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brentford Um, have a lot of injuries and Forest have too many players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't have thrown away a fixture anymore than than Sky have with this one. Uh, Nottingham Forest, who spent last year with like eight to ten injuries every single week. Only have two injuries at the moment. Danilo is out and Nuno Tavares is out. So that's that's really good for them. Uh, I'm guessing they must have made some changes. Um, Brentford have a bunch of injuries. Uh, Rico Henry, unfortunately, probably season over uh, after the knee injury suffered a few weeks ago. Ivan Tony's out till January. Kevin Shade's out till January, which is a big blow. Josh De Silva is out. Ben Mee is out, which is a blow. Uh, Mikkel Damsgaard is out, which is another blow. And then Sean, Shannon Baptiste is injured too. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity for Forrest to pick up three points here. Yeah. They've made a good start to the season. They've taken seven points from six games. Brentford had started the season very, very well. You know, were, were unbeaten through the first four games. Then they lost to Newcastle, and that was fine. They were unfortunate in that one because the penalty was never a penalty. But then they lost at home to Everton, which is just an awful result. And then they lost in the week to Arsenal in the League Cup. And I think it's going to be four defeats on the bounce, three Premier League defeats on the bounce. I'm picking Forrest to win 2-1. Yeah, I'm going to go for 
I think Iwani will cause them major trouble. Have you seen that picture that's going around of Iwani? Have you seen how the size of his neck? I'm still just overawed by his preseason pictures from his Liverpool days. He, you know, the one of them out jogging. Yeah, where, where people said he, everyone was saying, oh, he's like 5'2", and they like, he's not 5'2", is he? He's like 6'4". Like yeah. <laughs> just massive. And he's huge, and he's rapid, and he's just a bully. Um, Yeah, I think he'll cause them problems. I'm going to go 2-1 to Forrest. Yeah, it might actually be a fun game, but if, if you can drag yourself away from the golf. Um, moving on to Monday night, we have the West London derby. I'll go with. Um, the, the posh London derby. The, the Tory derby. Um, EDL derby? Maybe too far for our food. Um, I wouldn't Tor- say it would fall on, but yeah, be a few yeah. of the Chelsea fan base for yeah, certain. Yeah, the, the, right, the right wing derby. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, uh, Chelsea, I, I think Nicholas Jackson's suspended. Or did he do that in midweek? No, he scored in midweek. See, he's suspended. He got booked in yeah. midweek. <laughs> so he's out. Um, it's a bit stupid. One type of suspension doesn't count in the League Cup and others do, but you know. It's very, very strange. But they've got they've got tw- uh, suspensions or injuries to 12 players. Now, they're not all ruled out, but most of them are. No Fafana, no Nkunku. No Lavia, no Gusto. He's suspended as well, obviously, because he was sent off yes. last weekend. Uh, no Chilwell, no Jackson suspended. No Reese James, no Marcus Bettinelli, no Carney Chukwemeka. Badiashile is probably not ready yet. Chalaba is a major doubt. And um, Noni Mudeki might be back. So... It's going to be a patchwork Chelsea team. I suppose in, in, in one way it's good that they bought 400 players over the last mm. three windows. But Mind you, isn't every Chelsea team a patchwork Chelsea basically, team? They're just thrown together. There's no thought or planning here at all. Uh, Fulham, no Tosin, no Adama Traore, no Kenny Tete. He might be okay, but it's unlikely. Uh, but Sasa Lukic is back, so that's a big one for them. Um, Monday night. At Fulham, under the lights, I I fancy Fulham to win. To be honest, what's, what's Chelsea's midfield going to be? Because I'm guessing Caicedo will be right back. Caicedo would be right back. Gallagher and Enzo. Gallagher and Enzo probably with 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 Mudeki if fit, Sterling and Mudrick behind. Armando Brohia maybe. With no left back again. He, well, he, he has. He played. He played, he played three four left backs. <laughs> he plays all the left backs or no left backs. I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Levi Cole will start at left back again, which might mean he plays Matson or Chilwell on the wing. Uh, I, I they're such a mess at the Matson moment. can play midfield as well. All that money and Nicholas Jackson, which by the way, how do you have five yellow cards already? They have a I bit think, of shame. I think five of them are for de- four of them are for dissent as well. Have a bit of shame. Someone have a word with that fella. Um, they've got no striker to play, other than Broya, who's coming back off an ACL tear and has, hasn't kicked the ball really in in a year and a bit. Um, I'm going to pick Fulham to win. Fulham, I mean, their summer went a bit as bad as it could have gone up until the point that they managed to keep Polina. They lost Mitrovic. They didn't replace him properly. Didn't spend a huge amount of money. Made a couple of decent signings. But they've managed to come out of it, and and they're looking pretty good. They beat Everton, obviously. Uh, they were expected to beat it. Well, they were expected a result against Everton. But in recent weeks, you know, they got the draw against Arsenal, which was a really good result, especially the way it came about. They beat Luton. They drew with Palace. I'm going to back them to win. Chelsea have been rancid this season. Like, if Chelsea win this game, they'll have the same amount of points as Fulham. And Fulham looked like they might be destined to go down if Paulinho had left. And Chelsea spent a billion quid. Yeah. It's just awful. I'm going to go for a Fulham 2-1 win. And I think it's going to be the Paulinho show. I don't think Chelsea will be able to cope with him in midfield. I think his physicality, mm. his power, his willingness to drive forward 
I think that'll cause them trouble. I'll go I'll go two one to Fulham. And that's the last game before the championship fraud on on Tuesday? That's it. Yeah, then we get our championships, the championship special on Tuesday. Right, well, we will leave it there then. That will do us for the week. We'll be back Monday. As things stand, it looks like next week will be a normal Monday to Friday week with with no need to, to, to miss a day or anything like that. So all going well, it stays like that. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Guy. And we will see you on Monday. Bye-bye. Network.